Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah, you too. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. I've seen you tweeting about some stuff. Seems like you're uh, getting some stuff going. Things are going. Things are getting started. Yeah. I'll start at the top. So, um, refactoring Rails discount, like launch discount, ended last night. That technique, tactic approach seems to have worked very well. It's like the last day of sales was about $5,000 in revenue, which is my second highest day after the launch. So I got a bump about as big as my biggest bump uh, just by saying, hey, this is going to go away. Uh, So I think I would absolutely do that again if I were like, if I'm launching a one-off thing. That seems to have worked really well. And it's it's like a nice excuse to like keep emailing the, the group of people that haven't bought and just be like, hey, this just so you know, this is ending. Didn't see a crazy unsubscribe rate or anything from that. Like didn't seem to bother people. No one re- replied and said, you know, stop. Uh, and it seemed to have had a big impact on revenue. So chalk, chalk one up for that approach. Time pressure works. Definitely. I think it just helps get people over the inertia of buying. It's um, fun to watch sales rolls in still. Still satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't turned off the emails. Nope. <laughs> so my next task on the course, I think, is I'm going to go back to uh, a landing page where email capture is the focus to sort of kick off a, like, I'll send you some free lessons and maybe some other stuff and try to convert people over time. I think having just like the the sales page as the main page is probably going to be less effective than than selling to people a little bit more slowly. I think that's probably a good tactic. I mean, it seems like, of course, this is different than a course because it's a SaaS app. But with Drip, like when we were trying to squeeze the most juice out of the traffic coming to our website, it seemed like we made a certain shift where we're like, okay, we need to be more aggressive about getting email addresses as opposed to just trying to funnel people through the sales page. And that was a big boost for us, just that shift in thinking and like, let's get people into this part of the funnel and, you know, email still works. So it's a good, good play. Totally. Yeah. And, and especially with this, where I can send people samples of the course to consume at a slightly more leisurely pace than like, let me make a decision right now as I'm sitting on this landing page. Like I have a sample on the sales page, but like, do you really want to watch a 20 minute screencast about, you know, intricate refactoring details right now? Probably not. But if I drop a couple examples in your inbox, maybe you get catch them on a Saturday or something. And it's almost more compassionate in a certain way. Um, I'm also in talks with a couple people about doing some sort of bundle slash cross promotion type thing, uh, like putting my course together with a couple other things and discounting it and then splitting the revenue. That worked really well in the past for Upcase and Ruby Tapas when we did that, uh, just getting access to somebody else's audience. And it's seemed it was quite a win-win at the time. So I'm, I'm hoping to have a, a similar experience. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Tapping other other people's networks is one of those kind of core like traction things you can do i think so yeah yeah it feels a little bit like cheating almost it's like well like you're gonna email <laughs> your whole list and i'm gonna email my whole list and like that'll be that'll be cool for us that'll be good for us it's, yeah the course being done now is like i can offer the course and it's just like sure yeah if we pick up another 100 sales that's just profit that's just great it's all gravy mm-hmm. it's all gravy and mm-hmm. thanksgiving is around the corner so it's appropriate <laughs> getting in the mood <laughs> I have a controversial Thanksgiving opinion I'd like to share. Do you? Oh, lay it on yeah. me. Turkey is not that good. Really? Yeah, it's it's fine. But like, I think ham strictly dominates turkey. 
I would say. Hmm. Interesting. Is this because you have not well prepared turkey or do, have you had like oh, moist, good subtle, turkey? Subtle burn. Um, <laughs> I, I think I have had well prepared turkey. At its best, it's good, I would say. But it, it just never blows me away. Or I'm like, oh man, finally turkey. This is the time where I get to eat turkey. It just uh, doesn't excite I agree that I think it gets overplayed in the season, but my question has always been, why is this product not available year-round? Because I find it strictly superior to chicken. It has more flavor, uh, especially dark meat. I mean, if you're a dark meat fan, then I, I think... I do like dark know, meat. The, the, all the variety of dark meats among chicken and turkey, but like I feel like turkey just has an edge on flavor, and you either love it or you don't, but for those of us who do, why can I not buy this product year-round? I, I think it's because it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm in the minority. No, I, I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but I also would encourage them to try the turkey without the stuffing and the gravy and all the other stuff you're putting on it. Like I think it, you mask the the turkey's mediocrity with some high quality <laughs> sides. I want a blind solo head to head. Yeah, I think I, I will agree that like it's the combination of all the the things that come with a turkey dinner. Like I'm a big fan of the of the turkey dinner sandwich where it's like, uh, mm, yeah, that's that's good. Like you got a slice of turkey on there. You've got some brie cheese works really well for this and cranberry sauce and uh, all strong on a move sandwich. with the brie. I hadn't I didn't think about that. That's good. Yes. Hmm. I also love cranberry sauce, but I kind of like sugar uh, in a lot yeah. of, in any form, more or less. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is quite controversial, but maybe the general public agrees with you since we can't buy this product year-round. So, mm, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how, how much hate mail we get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was a fun aside. Uh, let's talk about the new thing. So I've been kicking around this idea for a couple of weeks. I talked to you about it offline uh, and some other people as well. And uh, it went through some iterations. And it might be interesting to talk about that. I'll, I'll do what I can to, to recall. So I was thinking of this idea for, uh, for a course called Tiny Refactoring Wins. And this was heavily inspired by Justin Jackson's Tiny Marketing Wins course, where I think once a week he sends you um, I, like a concrete task you should do to help market your product. I think that shape of course is very smart. Uh, like it's like little pieces that you'll actually do, I think are often superior to big blasts of knowledge that maybe you don't get to. So like everybody, I think, has had the experience of buying things uh, that they don't then watch or consume, like they buy them aspirationally. And so ho- hopefully a course that comes to you in little pieces and is right there in your inbox, maybe you you get a better results from by actually uh, engaging with. Yeah, I'm guilty of having the folder in Dropbox that's called books and ebooks or something like that. And uh, I've probably got like 50 items in there. And how many have I actually read? Uh, I don't know. I've skimmed a few. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I, I'm, yeah. I think I think we're probably all guilty of that. <laughs> the irony does not escape me as someone that just launched a course that probably is going to end up in some people's drop boxes and and possibly get unwatched. Uh, and so it's like, okay, that's that's a shame. Like having put all that work into this, there probably will be a lot of people that that don't actually get around to it. And so um, I was trying to think, like, what could I make that would help improve that or get over that problem? And so I pitched some people on the the refactoring wins, tiny refactoring wins idea. Went, underwent some iteration. And I actually, a really good suggestion, the suggestion that I that really changed the idea of it to me, or the positioning of it was from my friend, Jeff, who is actually not a programmer. He's on my newsletter because he just like wants to keep tabs on what I'm doing. And 
offer support, I guess. I, so I sent out this idea um, to my list. So I have like, there's like 1200 people on my newsletter. And so I would, I took like 100 at a time. And so I took like the first 100 and I was like, here's the thing I'm thinking of. What do you think? And I got some feedback and I was like, okay, cool. And I rolled that feedback into the idea and I sent out a new email to a new 100 people and said, here's what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? That was actually really useful to like just to help me iterate on the initial idea. Uh, but then like around the second round of feedback, Jeff was kind of like, you know what I love is like those like fitness challenges where you go hard for a while and like, you know, you have this like some support from a group. And like, he's like, I'm amazing at a 30 day challenge. He's like a six month thing, which is what how I was originally pitching the course. He's like, eh, I'd be less, I'd be less sure that I'm going to be able to maintain that. But if you set a high intensity level for a short period of time, that I can do and I have done in the past. Uh, and I was like, I actually really like that angle on it. The new thing that I'm making is called the 30 day code quality challenge. And like, once I had that phrase, I was like, that sounds good. Like, I feel like the, the title is self contained, it's exp- self explanatory in a way. And it sounds, I don't know, I, I liked the way it felt where it's like, this is like a fitness or diet challenge for programmers. And the idea is that every workday for 30 days, we're going, I'm going to send out a tip, more like an assignment, I guess, a workout, an exercise, I'm not sure how to, to describe this quite yet, um, of like, okay, today we're going to do this thing. And the goal is we all do it. And probably will be some sort of community aspect, maybe a Slack, maybe a forum uh, to sort of talk about what the experience is like and help support each other and all that. And uh, at the end of 30 days, hopefully have made a solid step forward in code quality. For one thing, I love taking inspiration from different industries because like the fitness industry has obviously figured something out where like it's less about fitness and more about like what are we humans who are like have trouble committing to things and have trouble sticking to things like what's the optimal amount of time that they can pitch people on something to actually make a meaningful difference to them and provide value to them. But still like limit the amount of time and i think like 30 days is probably pretty well figured out in that industry so i love like looking to that and and taking inspiration and applying it uh, in a different space and i think there's a lot of i think that applies more generally like i think it's something we should always be looking out for is like what's working in other industries you know mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's, it, it feels like cheating all over again where it's just like other people have gone through some of this work and like yeah you're totally right like fitness in particular is very concerned with uh, behavior change it's hard to get people to change their like exercise and diet situation. You can probably trust that if it, this is a popular idea over there, it's because it, it works pretty well. So that that experience of like iterating and having people to talk to and get feedback on was like just so helpful. I I continue to um, be surprised at how useful it is to run my ideas by potential customers and other smart people and just get feedback and, and have the final result come out much better than it, it started. I also love the way you're utilizing your email list. I mean, this feels this feels really powerful. And just to to circle back real quick, you're doing you did chunks of a hundred people. Do you feel like that was a good sample size for for surveying folks? It, um, it probably wasn't quite high enough. The response rate was not super great. I was surprised. Like there there was one time where I emailed maybe 130 people and got back like three responses that day, and then maybe like four or five more over the next week. And I was expecting more than that, um, but so so two hundred or something is probably maybe a, a better number to get a little more feedback all at once. Are you uh, doing anything to to tease out this list, or is it just purely a random sampling of your of your total email list? It's random, so I'm I'm going in into Drip's audience segment chooser uh, for a broadcast and being like email contains R, and see how many people are. email contains F. And just like looking for a letter that gives me about 100 people. 
there's no more elegant way to do that right right now i assume some people do like a, a you can use a workflow that has like a modulo on the time they signed up i've seen people do different things to like randomize and create different segments that way but yeah we've actually we've toyed with the idea of adding some kind of randomizer into workflows round robin constructs i don't know maybe into segmentation but it's just never like totally materialized but yeah i do see a lot of these types of hacks like that being used <laughs> yeah 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 um i have a uh, random uh feature idea that's probably so niche it's insanely not useful but it occur- occurred to me as like a weird uh, edge case user i didn't get around to hooking up the gumroad to drip integration to actually tag people who bought the course. And so a couple times I would export a list of all my orders from Gumroad and then go over and do a bulk import into Drip and then add a tag to those people say these people bought the course. And I did this a couple times. And at one point I realized this is such a programmer suggestion. Um, But I imagine Gumroad's CSV is consistent looking. And I just think it would be the slickest thing in the world if I went to upload a Gumroad CSV and you, Drip was like, hey, this is from Gumroad. Do you want to just enable the integration to Gumroad? Like when I went to do the import. And like, I imagine there are a number of services whose data looks, you know, a certain way where you could maybe like, you could have a finger printer that's like, oh, this is a, this is a whatever export or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People like MailChimp. MailChimp, I can always spot a MailChimp export because it's like all caps, um, custom fields, and they have a, a certain naming convention. Yeah. Huh. That's clever. I like that because that's one thing where it's like a, yeah, a, a way to make your machines smarter and more clever. And it's always a nice, nice UX polish when we can offer that. So, yeah, totally. And that, that feels like a, you know, priority 10,000 uh, down the list kind of thing. But I was like, oh, that would be really slick if it, if it, you know, if that little thing happened. Yeah. So yeah. I figured I'd mention it. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to cancel if you don't build this in the next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the iteration was cool. And then, so I put up a landing page, started a design contest for a logo on 99designs, trying that out for the first time. We'll see. I'm doing like the, alt, the cheapest, like $300 make me a logo thing. Uh, and I like declined all their upsells and all that. So I'm like, okay, what is, what is, or it might be 400. I think it was 400. It's like, what is the, what is the cheapest version of this get me? So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that, that looks. Um, and I'll report that back. It's nice having an existing audience, it turns out. Like just from tweeting this thing, I have like 150, 170 people signed up to that initial, uh, to, to the list, which is cool. And I haven't, the email to my newsletter hasn't gone out yet. Uh, so it's just, it's so nice to be able to seed a new thing with existing people, like with, with people and just like right off the bat have interest. Yeah. That speaks again to just like building, building your following, building your email list. All these things are like assets that anyone who's thinking about launching anything can be working on. Even if you don't have a solid idea that you're ready to launch yet, or you're not ready to make the jump into launching your own products, like these are, this is an asset that you're going to be able to use over and over again. So, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm starting to realize this is this is probably my most important asset. I'm trying to take it more seriously and and do some tweaking and optimizing and and paying attention. So getting, giving some love to my, my newsletter and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's, it's important. Uh, but I'm, an int- I'm in an interesting spot with this new course where um, I don't quite know what it's going to be. So I, I sort of have the, the, the outline in a way. And like, I think I understand the major parameters, but I don't quite know beyond that. I don't think I even said, but like the idea is that the assignments are language agnostic. 
And so there are things like, you know, grep your code base for to-do comments and then delete them and create tickets somewhere better, like a, a better place to track those kind of things. Or like run your test suite with the Wi-Fi off and see if, every, if anything fails. So things that will work in any language uh, or app is what I'm shooting for. But beyond, and then, you know, we're going to run it for 30 days and we're going to have some sort of community interaction. And then beyond that, I don't know like what it's going to, how it's going to be. And so I'm kind of taking the opposite approach of refactoring Rails where like I figured everything out and then put it up for sale. And now this is like, I figured basically nothing out in a way, except the broad strokes. And I'm going to kind of do it on the fly. Yeah. What are you thinking on pricing for this? Is it like an on, you want to keep people ongoing or is it a one-time sale or? Right now, my plan is to make the first run of this free. So I'm hoping to get a lot of people in it. So I so I'm, I don't actually quite know how to think of this. I don't actually know if it makes sense to have it free. Right now, like the landing page says it's going to be free. I don't know if that's smart. So I think if I made it free, it's going to get more buzz, I think. Like I think I'll have more success at getting people to share it and getting a lot of people in the door. And then I could keep it free and say this is this is going to be basically lead gen for refactoring Rails or other things I might make. And you know this this will get me a few thousand email subscribers of people that trust me, and uh, that will be really useful later on. So like it's kind of like an uh, almost like a lead gen email course, except more involved. Or I could potentially say, actually, you know what? There is a payment. Uh, I had thought of being like, okay, it's you know it's a certain amount. It's a one time payment to get started, just to sort of prove you're serious in a way. There might be some value in like, okay, everyone in this course has paid. Therefore, like people committing to a 30-day thing without any sort of like payment up front, that's a pretty low commitment bar. And so we would probably have a massive attrition, I expect. Whereas if people say like, okay, I bought this thing, I should probably do it. Could be, could be good. I don't know. What do you think? Well, so a couple of thoughts. Like I take it that you're thinking of doing this in, in cohorts, right? So you allow in a certain number of people and then it's like, wait for your next cohort to start or something like that. Correct. Yep. I'm taking your plan. You're going to plan on taking a lot of feedback from outside people to help figure out what people want to see as in terms of content mm-hmm. for this. Right. Mm-hmm. So what if you had like a your first cohort that was like, all right, this is the first one and it's free. And in exchange, you're going to help me develop, you know, the best product possible. So like I'm giving you the stuff for free in exchange. You're you're committing to giving me, you know, uh, a higher level of feedback than maybe you'd get from from others. And and maybe you hand curate this cohort or it's like you put something out there where you're like, this is a limited number of slots. And if you want to be, if you want to help shape this course and get all the content for free, then then grab a slot or something. So maybe it doesn't have to be free forever, but free while you're with co- one or or maybe a few cohorts or something that are helping you refine and develop it. Yep, I like that. That's where I'm at right now, I would say. Is I'm expecting the first one to be free, but and then yeah, later ones to not be. Um, did you have another take on that? Sound like you have maybe another angle. I could see you going either direction with this. Either just having it be a lead gen thing, um, because I imagine you're going to get. It could be a good source of uh, email addresses to build your email list and market future products. So I could see, I could definitely see that angle. I'm trying to decide though. Like I, what I like about this, uh, which we've talked about a little bit offline, I think, is that like. Refactoring Rails is a one-time course, and you've produced the content, and now it just continues to sell. This is perhaps a better format for a lot of people to consume content, as we've just been talking about. And so, I wonder if there's if you'd be leaving money on the table, too much money on the table, to actually make this a free lead gen thing. Like maybe this is just as compelling as a one-time sale product. You know what I mean? So, I guess I would be hesitant hesitant to make it free 
forever just as a lead gen source because I feel like there's a lot of value here. And I think this may actually be a, a better way to to deliver value to customers than in one time full download the whole course. Yeah, I think that's that's a valid point as well. I think first round, first cohort free makes a lot of sense for like a, like you know, generate initial buzz, get a bunch of people in, make a high quality thing based on lots of feedback. Um, and then at that point, I'll sort of, okay, second cohort, do I even want to run a second cohort? Was that fun to do? Um, and if I do, do I want to, how much do I want to charge? How much do I charge? If, if refactoring Rails were a more general course, then I would see keeping this free. Like if it weren't Ruby, if it weren't Rails specific, and I, it were like just like refactoring techniques for whatever passionate developers or something, then I could see how this would just be perfect lead gen into that. And so keeping it free might be worth it. But I imagine like I'm I'm intentionally keeping the course language agnostic to kind of expand the audience. And so if all I can offer is a, a Rails specific course, the conversion rate I imagine is going to be not amazing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how many concepts generalize well to all the possible languages. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's going to be mainly like uh, dynamic language centric or I feel like it'd be hard to offer advice for languages with static types uh, versus ones without like they're going to have different different quality metrics, quality parameters, whatever. It's true. I as part of prep for this, I like try to jot down like 10 ideas of like specific assignments and they came pretty fast and some of them seem pretty good. A 30 day course actually basically spans four work weeks. So it's 20 assignments. I'm doing I'm planning on just doing Monday through Friday. And so I think I can come up with 20 good ones, especially like, I think the first thing I'm going to do with the people that have signed up for the list is be like, okay, what, like, what are your ideas? Like, what would make a good, like, here are some of mine, here are the parameters I think that make a good assignment. Let's come up with some together. I think I can probably come up with 20 good ones. But that that definitely is an unknown. Like, it may be that like, it turns out, this course suffers by trying to be language agnostic. If I just continue to, to stay in like the Ruby niche, for example, and made it Ruby specific, it might be better. Yeah, um, I'm open to that being true. Yeah, I think it's also interesting though. Like, like I find as I've played around with Elixir, I've played around with Elm now quite a bit, loving it. That taking inspiration from patterns I see in those other languages does influence the way I write Ruby. I like strive for immutability in Ruby, even though the language doesn't like enforce it for me. I try not to mutate objects, uh, internal state of things when I don't have to, and. Yeah, it's interesting that you could have some good cross-pollination of like, these are general principles kind of drawn from, you know, a lot of modern languages people are using. And that could be an interesting way to spin it too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so one thing I'm thinking with this course is because it's language agnostic, I'm sort of expecting that there will be people that um, sign up that uh, don't know me as well. Like they're from other industries or other uh, language communities. And so... I'm trying to figure out how to build rapport. And so I think I'm going to be like, my first thing I'm going to do today actually is record like a welcome video of just me in my apartment, like talking to people and saying what's up. Uh, because I think that's just like a better way of people feeling like there's a connection. I'm planning on trying to utilize that throughout the course where like, instead of just like sending people an email with all the details and a question, like here's the latest video uh, and like watch this to, to see what's going on. That's cool. I like it. Personal connection makes it feel more engaging, I think. So yeah. It's nice to have the uh, the course launch to sort of like refill the uh, the runway, basically. Uh, so it's like now I feel like I have a little more, I have like flexibility to play with some some new ideas. Like I think if I if I hadn't launched Refactoring Rails and had sales go well, oh, which I should talk about, um, I don't think I would be as comfortable doing this code quality challenge for free in the first cohort. Um, and by the way, just yeah, final numbers. Well, not final, but final as for the discount. Uh, I'm looking at just just under thirty six thousand dollars in sales. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. 
which uh, feels pretty good. I mean, they're, they're worse things. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I've read so many blog posts about people that are like amazing at this thing. And like, like how I launched my $60,000 thing or like how I made $100,000 on this thing. It's like, so like I have these like huge numbers in my head, but it's when I tell uh, normal people about what's going on, they're like, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, that's like a de- I would say that's like a decent uh, showing for somebody. And they're like, that's decent? So yeah. It's, it's crazy how you're uh, like comparing yourself to others affects your perceptions. Yeah, I've, I've been guilty of that a few times where it's like, you're looking across all tech startups and I talk about like the code tree exit and I'm like, yeah, it was a, it was a nice little thing. And you're like, little, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. It's like someone cut you a six figure check. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, what's up with you? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually a pretty light week and I think we're doing, we're doing good on time. So maybe, uh, maybe we just about wrap it. Well, okay. Oh, wow. It's been a half an hour. Yeah. Time flies when you're talking about Turkey. It does. Yeah. <laughs> The turkey controversy of 2017. <laughs> yeah, it's all that tryptophan in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, if people, if you want to try this uh, crazy Ben invents a course on the fly code quality challenge thing, you can go to codequalitychallenge.com. The first cohort, I'm gonna, I'm aiming to start uh, November 13th. Is that right? Yeah, November 13th. So if you don't sign up in time, you're gonna have to wait to the next one. So time pressure. Ooh, get on that list. Get on that list. Yep. Get on the list. Uh, but I think that's it for me. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks.